I always say sometimes common sense is a superpower and common sense will not even be on the table if your issues get politicized. So the project needs to have a a motto that says, let the experts use their expertise. The political issues should be dealt with before the project really begins to become designed. And certainly by schematic design, you should have dealt with all of the political issues. And it should not become part of your progression of your design or part of your construction. Hey, Construction Nation. Welcome to Lead with Trust. I'm Sue Dyer, and I've been on a three-decade journey to figure out how to make sure our construction projects succeed and produce some extraordinary results. My trusted leader journey has led me to work on over 4,000 construction projects worth over $180 billion. In this podcast, I'm here to teach you everything I've learned. One thing I know is that it starts with the leaders of the businesses and organizations that come together to build a project. If that's you, let's get going. Hello, Construction Nation. Welcome to episode 46 of the Lead with Trust podcast. And this is Sue Dyer, your host. And today we are going to talk about mega project success factors. And I have created a new one for 2022 that I'm going to share with you today. So I thought I'd start off with maybe a little food for thought for you. Did you know that 65% of mega projects fail? And that's according to a 2015 study done by the Construction Industry Institute. And and study done by the University College of London in 2020 said that 70% of construction projects fail. But it looked like they were they were really studying mega projects. So between 65 and 70% of mega projects fail. Isn't that alarming? Because our projects tend to be getting bigger and bigger over time. So I know I've seen and heard this type of statistic about mega projects really for decades. I recall that at the end of the multiple thousand page forensic study that was done on the building of the Denver airport many decades ago, like 20 years ago, the author concluded that mega projects are so complex that the ability to control the level of chaos makes them next to impossible. I think he actually said impossible to manage. But the thing in my head was that my experience has been really quite the opposite. I've worked on many very successful mega projects. And in fact, I just finished a $2 billion six-year airport terminal project that was remarkable. It was on time, on budget, with no claims, and it had a very smooth activation. And the passengers just absolutely love the terminal that was built. One passenger said 
in a social media that if I could marry the terminal, I would. They just loved it that much. So I created my very first version of the Mega Project Success Factors uh, almost 20 years ago now. And then we confirmed it again with a group of Mega Project teams in the late 2000s. And today the factors are still relevant and really warrant sharing. For the 2022 version, each factor has been reviewed and when appropriate, they've been updated. We've also added a new success factor, number 12. There is a new success factor because we have made some huge strides in using technology and applications to help us design, plan, and build our projects. So I am sharing the 2022 Mega Project Success Factors here today again with you guys. There's so many articles in the construction press about failed mega projects. I mean, just Google it. You'll find lots of them that I think this really warrants some more conversation and some study. It really is a problem in the industry. And from my point of view, very large or mega projects tend to create their own weather. Years ago, I visited the Cape Canaveral in Florida, the great big building where they used to build the rockets. And it was interesting in the tour, they talked about how the building was so large and so tall that it created its own weather system inside and clouds would form at the top of the building and it would rain inside the building from its own weather system. And I thought, well, that is sort of how mega projects are. They tend to create their own weather. And there's so much opportunity for chaos to break out. So like I mentioned before, that some experts believe it's not possible to control the inevitable chaos. And this chaos has played out in many notable projects over the years, including the one I just mentioned, the failure of the Denver International Airport, the Hong Kong Airport Project, the Boston Artery or the Big Dig, and the San Francisco Bay Bridge, just to mention a few. Failures like these are such a high concern that the U.S. Congress passed requirements, and this is really based because of the Big Dig project. They passed some requirements for managing and overseeing these mega projects that Congress needed to have someone watching out for making sure the projects were going to be successful. And originally, Congress defined a mega projects as $1 billion or more, and then it kind of kept getting reduced down. I think now it's at $250 million. My team and I have had the opportunity to facilitate partnering on over 4,000 construction projects. And really, we've worked on many of the largest projects in the country. Sometimes they were the largest in the world. And so we began to see patterns emerge. And so uh, we looked at these patterns and we could see what was happening over and over and over on these successful projects we were working on. And you know, this really includes dozens of very large mega projects and mega programs. 
And, you know, I'm, I'm always looking to see what makes a project and in particular a mega project succeed because there's so much uh, that has been talked about why, why they fail. So we watched for those factors that were consistent on the successful projects and looking at the forensic studies and reading them, the thousands of pages of them on the projects that were deemed a failure, uh, we look for those things that were absent on those projects, but were very much a part of the successful projects. So those are what we are identifying. So what was consistent on successful projects and what was absent on, and those things were absent on the projects that failed. Over time, these patterns became pretty clear. And that is how uh, we developed the mega project success factors. And now for the 2022 version, we have 12 factors that have been identified. These 12 mega project success factors evolved from my personal experiences, my team's experiences, and the observations over many, many, many years and many, many, many projects. And so while these factors can't cover really all aspects of success, it's hoped that they will open the door to understanding some of the key aspects required for success and the nature of mega projects. Uh, and then with within that understanding, we can begin to know why and how to approach mega projects differently. Even though the success factors were developed from experiences on construction projects, I really believe that there's probably a similar dynamic on any kind of effort that's very large and complex. Other types of mega projects or mega programs, even if it's like an IT project or an internal initiative in a very large, complex organization, they probably apply there too. So I think the best way to use the mega project success factors is really as a communication tool. You know, you can share it with your team members and have them really talk about how you're doing uh, with implementing these things or what level are you at on your project. And in fact, I have, I have created, created a little, little assessment. assessment. You know, you I, know love I love it. You know, I love an assessment. So I've created the mega project success factors assessment so that you can actually score uh, how you're doing for each of the factors. And uh, then there's a little process at the back for you to uh, take that and uh, use to build on your strengths and to shore up your weaknesses. And you can find that at sudico.com slash 46 for episode 46. So sudyco.com slash 46. Then uh, if you take it and give it to all your team members, you can compare which which ones have been identified as project weaknesses. And you can look at what are the things that are where you're stuck uh, and how the weaknesses have played out over the life of the project, because that's really what we've seen is little things snowball in a mega project. In fact, if you read the forensic studies, it's not never one big, huge thing that usually sinks it. It's a bunch of little things that over time get bigger, and then it creates a cascading event. 
and the teams just could not overcome that. So the main thing is you do not want to create that. You want to have a tight, focused uh, team. I'm also a big believer that it really is about culture, something that's large and complex you control by creating a high trust culture so that the communication coordination and uh, solving of problems and decisions can happen uh, quickly so that you never let things roll too long because little things grow into very big things. Think about it. If you're going on a long trip and you just make a small uh, change in the degrees of how far you're going, it, you, you now end up in a different state, let alone to the house you wanted to go to. So here they are, mega project success factors. Number one is a leader and an owner, that there is a person who's identified with the program or the project as its leader. Usually this is a person from the owner's team uh, so that they have full authority to do whatever they feel is necessary for success. The leader surrounds themselves with a group of the best of the best to help execute the program or the project. The leader stays for the duration of the project. Uh, this is number one, because we see all the time, huge projects that are trying to be built with no leader in sight or a revolving door so that the leader thinks that they can just delegate this to a construction management firm or a PMSS firm without taking ownership of their own project or program. That is number one. Number two, mega project expert or experts. This is a different animal like I've been talking about so far. It really needs someone or several someones who have been on successful mega projects and they have these under their belt. Uh, there is a leadership role for them where they are there from the beginning to the end of the project or the program. And they use approaches that help the team really come together, like partnering a big room, how to, and they know how to put together one shared set of project management applications so that you have one set of shared data so everyone is working from the same set of information. I can't tell you how many times I see chaos breaking out. Two things. One is that they're trying to use the people who are used to doing, I've even seen like not even a million dollar projects, and now they're going to run a billion dollar project. It, it's just such a different animal. It's not, you're going to, you're going to just have a very difficult time. Let me just say this. It's not going to succeed. And the second thing is, is that I see them, everyone has, or even the owner has a bunch of different types of applications that are not integrated and which will be another success factor later, but you've got to be able to have a way to share information that everyone has it in as much real time as possible. Number three success factor is a committed and integrated team so that the individuals on the team are personally committed to the success of the project. 
And uh, I really believe this is what uh, partnering and having a scorecard, uh, having a great leader on the owner's team, uh, and then of course, having the right construction teams allow this to happen. You gotta have a high trust, high performing atmosphere. So they're committed to the success and success of course is a quality project. It's, it's at least on time and it's on budget. And the, the people are handpicked for their high trust leadership and experience and expertise and willingness to really go the extra mile to do what it takes. Remember working on one project where uh, we were just going to do a, you know, spit shine more or less. We were just going to paint it and kind of fluff it up, make it look better. And then decided, no, let's really go for it. Let's really add on, let's add more square footage, let's do a full renovation. So we designed it, we built it, we activated and opened it in 18 months. And this was like a $350 million project. And uh, that team was committed and they were high performing. That never could have happened. And in fact, that project ended up being 40% less than any other project of its size in the country. And it was built in a place where the cost per square foot was the highest in the country. So that's the kind of stuff you need with a committed and integrated team. And a lot of people just think, oh, just create a team. It doesn't work that way. It takes effort. It takes an ongoing structure and framework for that to occur. Okay, number four success factor, run by project managers. In other words, not politicians. When design and construction issues get politicized, practicality and common sense are not available to the team. I always say sometimes common sense is a superpower and common sense will not even be on the table if your issues get politicized. So the project needs to have a, a motto that says, let the experts use their expertise. The political issues should be dealt with before the project really begins to become designed. And certainly by schematic design, you should have dealt with all of the political issues. And it should not become part of your progression of your design or part of your construction. So when these issues do get politicized, it is the role of the owner's leader, that one up at number one, to protect the team from this dysfunction. I remember working on a mega project that was not going well, and we came in and we set up some partnering processes. But what we really did is we created an executive team and we used the mega project success factors as the framework. And the team co-created and anointed one person on that project to be from the owner's side, to be this owner's uh, representative. And that person had to commit, because he was near retirement, to being from the beginning to the middle and the end to stay the entire time. And on this particular project in this state, the governor was trying to tell the project team like who they could hire and how they were going to operate. 
And I've seen that on several modern, uh, mega projects before. And it was the role of this man to create a ceiling and protect the team from that kind of political efforts and uh, have it minimize the impacts to the team. And he did a fantastic job because that project ended up winning every award that there was in the industry. It was highly successful and it was really not going well at the beginning. And they used this, these mega project success factors just for that purpose. So that is number four, run by project managers, not politicians, have someone help protect the team from the political pressures. Hope you're enjoying this show. Every time you and your team step foot onto a construction project, you bring your business culture with you. For any construction project to succeed, there must be a high trust culture. It doesn't matter if you're in planning, design, construction, or startup phases. The more trust you bring and build, the better your results. I've created a free resource for you, the Trusted Leader Profile so you can know exactly the level of trust you bring to your business and projects and what you can do to boost trust. You can grab that at sudico.com slash profile. That's S-U-D-Y-C-O.com slash profile, P-R-O-F-I-L-E. And I hope that you'll remember that always high trust equals high performance, and it really depends on you. Now back to the show. Number five, unique structure and culture. So as I said before, a million, $10 million, $100 million job is not the same as a billion dollar, a multi-billion dollar project. And you need to have a new way of operating. And that means new norms of behavior, new policies, new procedures. And uh, I really believe that if you have a fairly large construction program and you have your way of doing it, then you need to pull people away from the normal routines and their respective ways of doing things so that the project team members are free, empowered to set new norms, policies, and procedures that they feel are needed for the success of this kind of mega project. And again, a mega project person that has expertise under their belt can help you know what that might look like for your particular project. And then the systems and the mental attitude uh, that it takes to build, you know, a smaller, like $10 million project is not the same as for a billion dollar project. I remember working on a project where the um, owner's project manager, the largest project he'd ever done, he'd done a $10 million project. And now he's doing a $2 billion project. Just keeping up with the paperwork or even understanding the flow, uh, it was he was overwhelmed. There was no way he could do it. So he became the bottleneck. And uh, if they hadn't removed him, he would have sunk the entire project. So you have to be able to wrap your mind around what it takes. So the project, the program structure should enable the team, not stifle its ability to be successful. So you want to create that and so that it supports what's needed for your project. Mega project success factor number six is a program approach. 
So most of the mega projects that I work on, there's a lot of enabling projects. There might be then some maintenance projects that have to happen. There's just a lot of projects that are wrapped around it. So taking a programmatic approach because the projects are all interrelated. I mean, when you flush the toilet, it has to flow somewhere. I mean, they're, they're all interrelated. So you can't just take project by project by project approach, which I've also seen happen and it didn't work so well. So, and as also it's a different mindset. So it's a bunch of large uh, interrelated projects as opposed to one large standalone project, uh, which sometimes the mega projects are, but most of them that I've seen that are really large, there's a bunch of other projects that enable it or are part of it. And certainly you're going to be letting different contracts. So you want to have a whole program approach to creating that atmosphere, the level of cooperation that's needed for that the different contracts, the different builders, the different subs to cooperate and collaborate. Because if you don't have that, you will create chaos on the overall delivery of the program. So this means that there needs to be new systems and procedures, tools, you know, way of selecting people, but really managing the overall program and, uh, and rather than managing project by project. Number seven, mega project, a high trust atmosphere. So, you know, anybody that knows me knows that, you know, high trust equals high performance and uh, really part the partnering process creates that high trust atmosphere where everyone really works together. And on a project of this size, it is essential that everyone work together towards a common end and that the successful project that the team creates what that is. Uh, there can't be any of this CYA or us versus them. Uh, you will absolutely fail. It, it makes every project more difficult, but in a mega project, uh, it will just uh, completely undermine you because without that atmosphere of true partnership, of high trust and high collaboration, communication is going to be poor. And that's going to result in team members and team leaders being completely unaware of project issues and problems until it's so late that you can't possibly solve it in a timely manner. And maybe you can't even solve it. And of course, then it's also more expensive as well. But uh, this really can work to sink the entire project. When people are off finger pointing either to take the heat off of themselves or to place blame. The focus is taken off of the project and not on solving the problem. And it's placed on protecting interest. And this will absolutely assure this project will fail. It's predictable. Success factor number eight, expect chaos. When NASA sends a rocket to Mars, it's on target about 5% of the time. The other 95% of the time, it's making corrections to get back on target, gyroing back and forth. It is the team and the team leaders who assure the project stays focused on Mars. In this case, would be our project success. First, you have to have the right people. 
who can tell when the project is off course. I've seen that a lot where we don't have that. Again, we have that one person, we have experts, we have a committed team, we have defined what success is. And so we know when we're off course. And who are willing and able to tell the truth. That is what has sunk every single project that has had a forensic study. The team knew what was happening and they didn't act. They didn't tell anybody. They didn't take any action about it. And then there has to be a system in place that allows for the course correction in order to get you back on track. So you've got all, say you've got a thousand people working on your project. You've got dozens of contractors and, and subcontractors. There's got to be a methodology, a way where you can get back together a steering group, a steering committee, a group. Uh, we I like to create a board of directors. Uh, and maybe we do that for each project and they roll up into a program level one. But there's got to be a system for in order to steer. And that is what will help you to uh, get rid of the chaos. But also, you know, to me, the biggest way that you uh, can reduce uh, chaos is by reducing complexity. And you reduce complexity. Uh, I really think the partnering process helps with that. High trust helps with that because you begin to become one team as opposed to dozens of teams. So the more you can become one team focused on the success of the project will melt away complexity and that will help you to manage your chaos. Success factor number nine, provide accountability ability, the ability to be accountable to one another. So successful projects have a culture and systems for holding team members accountable for their commitments and their pieces of the project. In the heart of accountability is a monthly independent feedback system, like we have a construction scorecard that has an algorithm in it that actually takes all the scores across the entire program or project and calculates a momentum score. And so that one score shows you exactly what's happening and you can have positive momentum or you can have negative momentum. And negative momentum is meaning that you really need to do something really quickly. If you have positive momentum, you can build on that. But the wonderful thing is that the, the momentum score allows you to predict what's going to happen before it's happened. So it allows you to steer. So you need to have some process like that, some tool that helps you. And, uh, and then your people can be accountable and it's measurable. And so then they can see where they're at. And of course, sometimes you can't achieve what you're committed to doing. So then you talk about it and you realign. So it's a matter of staying aligned and focused. Mega project number 10, integrated activation team. And this is really mostly for facilities. There's some, uh, you know, if you have a mechanical building, there's just buildings or systems that need to be activated. Like even on the freeway, you have the, um, you know, the, there's so much now with uh, web 3.0, we're, we're doing so many things that are tying physical structures to integrating into a virtual world. So there, I think you're going to see more and more and more of this, but all of those have to be activated. So they actually work and they're working properly. So a major facility is not just a turnkey operation. 
there there's many there's been many many notable failures due to the staff who had to run the systems could not operate the new systems or didn't believe in the new systems. I mean, some of it's that, but mostly they just didn't know how. And so an integrated activation effort, it has to be started much, much, much earlier in the construction phase than you ever think it really needs to if you're really going to do it and be it on time so that you can finish the project. How many times have we seen these mega projects, the building is done, but they haven't activated it because they're having trouble with the technical stuff or they're having trouble with the level of training or people can't operate the building or it isn't operating correctly. That's all part of activation. And mega project number 11 success factor is uh, integrated, passive, and active uh, information technology, the IT. Large buildings these days are like structures around technology. <laughs> There's just more and more and more incorporated. And I don't see that trend changing. And there's, again, more things that can go wrong there. So the successful projects incorporate the information technology systems, both the passive and active ones, from design through construction. They don't, there's a late incorporation to try to make sure it happens. We've seen that just be absolutely devastating to the project schedule, particularly when IT specialists need to be supervised while accessing a secure job site. So there's a lot of a lot of jobs that are on a secure site or there's some level of security. And so you can't get in and do what you need to do and you're putting in the security. So there's just, there's a level of complexity there that really has to be managed. But IT, one of the best ways I've seen is hiring someone who helps to like marry the internal IT with all of the different construction subconsultants, subcontractors that are putting in the different components so that it actually all works together. You almost need like an integrator because otherwise you have the this push-pull between uh, kind of the people that are internal and the external. See that all the time. And most many of the projects that are delayed or over budget, it's because of the technology, just like I mentioned before in the activation. And our new mega project success factor number 12 is use tools to reduce risks. So I'm just mentioning a few in this one, Uh, virtual design and construction tools. Uh, Many of these have been developed at SIFI at Stanford. They really help the teams to model in multiple dimensions what is designed what is planned and what is built. And I know this is a really big effort uh, and it takes a big effort up front, but it will pay off as the team can see where the conflicts are. They can see when things are not actually as they needed be. Like if you do a pour and you can see where things are stubbed out, they're not quite in the right place. It's going to show up red. You, you can see these things. And 
And also, I'm really a big believer in the tools that have been developed by the Lean Construction Institute, and especially poll planning and target budgeting. Uh, these are incredibly helpful. Empower the team to manage the project so that they are managed between cost, scope, and schedule. That's their job. And uh, most of the large contractors who are working on billion-dollar projects, they know about these tools, but many times they get resistance from the owners or the in internal people or subcontractors. So if you don't know about them, now is the time to learn because these are here to stay and more are coming. So there you have it, the 12 mega project success factors for 2022. Uh, you can grab the assessment, as I said, at sudico.com slash 46. I hope that you will share these with anyone working on a project. Uh, I've used it for several projects, as I said, to make sure that we were structured to succeed. And they were very, very well structured. So with that, be well, Construction Nation. And I will talk to you next week. Okay, Construction Nation, I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Lead with Trust. Will you do me a favor? If you think this episode can help anyone on your team or business, please forward it to them. Please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And your honest review, hopefully five stars, is much appreciated. Every leader who learns how to build their business and projects on a foundation of trust is going to reap the rewards of greater productivity, attracting the best of the best, enjoying your business more, and doing things you thought were impossible. If you wanna know where you are in your trusted leader journey, I have a free resource for you. Please just go to sudico.com slash profile, S-U-D-Y-C-O dot com slash profile. And you can grab it there and find out where you are on your trusted leader journey. And so that is a wrap for today. Can't wait until I get a chance to hang out with you again next week. And until then, have a great day.